It is a gift to be able to be with you today and to be reminded of the love of this church for Jesus as we gather together for worship, but also the love that y'all have shown to myself and to our family. Um, To know that this church took vows when we baptized our children here to love and to pray for our children and to hear even today... uh, People saying that they still are holding to that vow is such an encouragement to us. And I appreciate the way that y'all as a congregation have been caring for us as we've continued to minister with college students now at North Carolina State and Meredith College. Uh, Just a a couple brief things to let you know about that ministry. Uh, First, one of the, the great joys of this past fall was that I had the opportunity to baptize a student a student who came to faith through RUF, uh, out of the the Mormon church, who came into our fellowship through us having food on campus. And I had the opportunity to begin to meet with them regularly um, and get to talk to him about Jesus, about God's word, and to help him to come to understand the truthfulness of the gospel in ways that he never knew growing up in the Mormon church. Um, And it was an joy to be able to baptize him, but a part of what was joyful is it was a Sunday afternoon, and we had about 50 students show up for that baptism um, because they wanted to rejoice as well in what God has been doing in the life of this person that they've come to love through their prayers and uh, ministry to him as well. Um, This is a glimpse of what I get to do uh, at NC State and Meredith College, I'm coming onto campus in the name of the Lord Jesus to see the gospel go forth to those that, that don't know him, as well as to bring those who do know Jesus into deeper fellowship with him, that they may too be a light of the gospel on the campus. I'd love for y'all to continue to be praying for our ministry. We need and value that uh, prayer. Uh, in particular, I'd love for y'all to pray for us as we recover from covid This was the first year that we didn't have restrictions uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. And so we've been able to be more present on campus in the lives of the students. But there's an impact from the the previous two years, from our inability to be as engaged on the campus as we would like, but also a hesitancy of students to be a part of group things. And so we lack a key part of our ministry, the sophomore and junior class leaders. And so it's something I'd love for you all to pray that God would raise up new leaders, that we might have students who want to come alongside us in bringing the gospel into the lives of their friends, their peers, their classmates at NC State and Meredith. If you have any more questions about RUF, I'd love to tell you more about it. It's a a passion uh, to see college students uh, come to know Jesus, and I'd love to share with you how that's happening at NC State and Meredith and around the world. So I'll be out there after the service. But I'd invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to be looking today at the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And if you've grown up in the church, you may be familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. You may be familiar with the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And when I learned that song as a a young child, I remember it just kind of seeing like Zacchaeus was this kind of funny little guy that was whimsical and wanted to to be adventurous and climb up in a tree. But as I've come to study and see this passage, I see that that doesn't really capture who Zacchaeus was. 
And this passage helps us to see Zacchaeus in a different light. Not as someone who is just kind of whimsically climbing up a tree, but someone who is desperate, hurting, and broken. But the focus of this passage is not Zacchaeus. The focus of this passage, as all scripture is, is Jesus. And this particular passage is something that commentators say is perhaps the very climax of the gospel of Luke. Because in the story of Zacchaeus, this desperate man, we see most clearly the heart of Jesus. And that in this story we see encapsulated his heart in action. As Luke says at the end of this passage, that he comes to save the sinners. He comes to seek and to save the lost. And so as we turn to reading God's word, keep in mind that this is an opportunity for us to hear and to see the heart of the Savior. Let's now read God's word together. Luke chapter 19. I'll read for us verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have given to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let us pause and pray that God might write its truths into our hearts. Our Heavenly Father, as we come today gathered in your presence around your word, change us, strengthen us, heal us, Help us to see Jesus. We pray this for his sake. Amen. Today as we reflect upon the passage, the outline for today, the thing that I really hope that you walk away with is this, that desperate people look for Jesus. Desperate people look for Jesus. But first, desperate people. Luke frames this whole story like a rescue mission. Luke frames this story as a sense of an opportunity to see Jesus as a hero coming to seek and to save the one who is lost. And he wants us to see this through the context of the problem, the one that needs to be rescued through Zacchaeus. Which is why he says in verse 2, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Behold, he's saying, look, I want you to pay attention to who Zacchaeus is because you first have to see Zacchaeus in order to really see Jesus. Behold, he says, there was a man named Zacchaeus. And so he begins to flesh out who Zacchaeus is for us, who this man was that Jesus came to find. And it tells us that Zacchaeus was rich. In verse 2, that's what he tells us, is he was a chief tax collector 
and was rich. Now, his job as a chief tax collector meant that that he was able to profit off of his own people. And he didn't just profit off of his own people. He actually profited off of those who profited off of his own people. As the chief tax collector, all the money that the local tax collectors would take from the local people for taxes, they gave a percentage to Zacchaeus. And so he was able to be at the top of the pyramid making all of this money. And because he had all this money, he was able to live in Jericho. As the text tells us, this whole story happened in Jericho. And Jericho, you may remember from the Old Testament, you know, the walls came tumbling down. But Jericho was was this beautiful city at this point in time. Jericho was the Palm Springs of Israel. It was literally the Palm Springs because that's what drew people to Jericho. It was known as the City of Palms, and it had these freshwater springs that the rich would want to be in the midst of an arid culture right there in the City of Palms. So, for example, Herod the Great, who was the the great king that tried to kill Jesus when he was an infant, the great king who built the temple that was present in Israel, he built his winter palace in Jericho, and he would spend his time there. This is the place that you wanted to be if you were wealthy. This is the place that you wanted to be if you were the elite, if you were the powerful. And Zacchaeus was right there. His money had bought him an opportunity to be amongst the elite of society. And you would think because he was here in the the hub of the elite and he was here as a rich man that he would be happy. But the text shows us that he was a desperate man. Perhaps you came here to the beach to live in this beautiful place, to be able to enjoy retirement, or perhaps you're down here visiting on vacation, wanting to get away from life by coming to a place that is so filled with the glory of God and his creation. But perhaps you've experienced that even though you are in the midst of beauty, that the interior still feels sad or down or anxious, and you may have realized, moving here, that the exterior can't heal the interior. This was the case for Zacchaeus. Even though he had money and power, he still had a troubled soul. Zacchaeus was a desperate man. And how do we know this? How do we know that he was desperate? It's because he climbed the tree. I mean, think about it this way. When was the last time you climbed a tree? Probably been a while. I know for me, the last time that I climbed a tree was when I was putting up Christmas lights. And so I was climbing up the tree to kind of put the lights in the the tree in our front yard. But whenever a neighbor would like walk by or someone would drive by, I'd kind of like try to pull back into the tree. So that way they don't think, what is that weird middle-aged man doing up in a tree? Grown adults don't usually climb a tree, but Zacchaeus did. And it seems maybe perhaps childish or whimsical or interesting to us, but it doesn't really catch the humiliation of this act. Perhaps a different way to think about it would be to to picture Bill Gates in downtown Miami splashing around naked in a fountain. Actually, maybe don't picture that. But that is the kind of humiliation that Zacchaeus was embracing. This is a culture where shame and honor were the most powerful currencies. 
where what you wanted the most was the honor of the community. And what you would fear the most was the shame of your community. And by climbing up this tree, he was shaming himself, degrading himself. He was embracing the fact that he was someone small in stature who couldn't get up tall enough to see over the heads of the people in front of them. By climbing up this tree, he was embracing the fact that people in an honor culture would look at him and say, what's his problem? Why is he so desperate to climb this tree? Why is he losing his honor, losing his integrity, and humiliating himself? His desperation is seen in how desperately he just wanted to catch a glimpse of this person he'd heard about, Jesus. What may have made him so desperate? What would have driven him up that tree? I think it may be perhaps the fact that he already knew that he didn't have honor. That he already knew deep down a sense of shame that he couldn't erase despite all the wealth and all the power and all the beauty around him. You know, as chief tax collector, he had immense power. As chief tax collector, he didn't just have power over the other tax collectors, he had power over people. He had the Roman army and its strength behind him. If he said someone was not doing what they were supposed to do, the Roman army would, on his authority, go and address that situation. He had intense power. But that power was against his people. Imagine, if you will, that that we were invaded by North Korea, and that as a part of the invasion by North Korea, they began to demand from us taxes. Imagine how you would feel if one of your neighbors came by and knocked on your door and said, All right, give me $1,000 to give to the North Koreans. You'd be frustrated at the North Koreans, but how would you feel towards that neighbor? This is the way that everyone viewed Zacchaeus, as a traitor to his people. One who is siding with the evil Roman Empire, siding with the enemy of God. He was a traitor. And he was enriching himself along the way. So it's not just asking whatever Rome asked, but asking for money on top of that, profiting off of the pain of his neighbors so that he could be rich. How do you think people felt towards Zacchaeus? They hated him. That's probably why he wasn't able to get towards the front to the crowd. People would close their ranks so that Zacchaeus couldn't get through. They wouldn't want to look at him. They wouldn't want to help him. He was one that they would shun. And he'd feel that sense of shame. He was an enemy of the people, which is what we see when when Jesus picks him in this passage. What does it say the people do? It says they grumbled. Him? Zacchaeus? The traitor? Why would Jesus want to be with that enemy of the people? Zacchaeus was someone that they would have canceled, that they would have shunned, that they would have left alone. What would it be like for Zacchaeus to feel that marginalized, to feel like an outcast? That's what Zacchaeus' life was like. I don't know if you've ever experienced that sense of coldness before where people have turned away from you in disgust and how that can wear on you, 
how it can seep into your soul to feel so rejected, to feel so unseen. But Zacchaeus' desperation may not just have been about the fact that, that he was a pariah of the culture. I think there's also an aspect of his desperation that was driven about who he was and what he was doing. And I think we see this in the way that that Luke says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a man named Zacchaeus. And and that's an important part of the story that, that Luke wants to highlight, that his name was Zacchaeus. Because the name Zacchaeus means this, one who is clean, or one who is pure, or one who is just. He was given that name by his parents, that that they had a hope that he might grow up to be one who was just, one who was a child of Abraham, that that loved his neighbors, that was doing what God called him to do in, in caring for the community, that he would be one who was pure, living out God's law in all of his life, one who was clean, who was acceptable to God and to people because of his holiness. His parents put that name on him that that's who he would be. And he was anything but that. Instead of being one who was just, he was one who was living out a life of injustice. Profiting off of God's people. Every time he would hear his name, Zacchaeus. You wonder if it was like a dart into his heart knowing that he was one who was anything but just, anything but clean, anything but pure. When Luke says, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, he's expecting us to understand the irony of that name. That here this chief tax collector was one who was supposed to be just and pure and clean, but was anything but Because in the midst of this irony, Jesus walks in. In the midst of this man who is failing to live up what he is supposed to be, Jesus walks in. And Luke wants us to see this gap between who Zacchaeus was and who Zacchaeus was supposed to be. So that we see the way that Jesus comes and fills that gap. I wonder if you feel that gap too. That sense of of difference between who you think you should be and who you are. I wonder if you see that gap in your life when you see yourself yelling at your children. I wonder if you see that gap in your life when you hear songs of worship. And you see other people singing And yet all you feel in your heart is coldness and distance from God. I wonder if you feel that gap in your life as you have obtained so much in your life that you thought would bring you happiness, thought would bring you peace. But yet all you feel inside is that same sense of emptiness. But now with a sense of wonder. What actually do I want? What actually would make me happy? 
Maybe you feel that gap in the world around you, seeing culture change and accepting things that you thought they would never accept. And seeing aspects of injustice happening like we saw in Memphis. Do you see that gap in the world or in yourself? And realize that you can't fill that gap. Luke wants us to feel that desperation. Because that's the desperation that drove Zacchaeus up the tree. That's the desperation that caused him to let go of any sense of himself just so that he could catch a glimpse of the Savior. It's only when we really feel that gap that we're really ready to say, Jesus, I want to see you in my life. And this is what Luke wants for us too. He wants us to see Jesus. He wants us to see him as he is. And this is an opportunity for us to remember that the main character of the story is not Zacchaeus, but is Jesus. This is the climax of Luke's gospel, not because of Zacchaeus' faith, not because of his boldness, but because of Jesus' goodness and Jesus' love. Because here we see the hero of the story. As it says in verse 1, he entered Jericho. Here we see Jesus coming into Jericho because he was on a mission. And on a mission to seek and to save the lost, to seek and to save Zacchaeus. Luke wants us to see that the hero of this story is not Zacchaeus, but Jesus, because he's the hero of every story. Jesus is Dumbledore arriving in the Ministry of Magic in time to rescue Harry. Jesus is Gandalf riding into Helm's Deep, just as the evil orcs were about to overwhelm the Homburg. He is Anna leaping in the path of Hans's sword as he tries to kill Elsa. He's every hero wrapped up into one. And he's the hero of heroes who comes into a desperate place of need to rescue the people he loves. And we can see Jesus clearly because of the desperation of Zacchaeus. And we can see the way that Jesus comes into this story as the one who is really watching for Zacchaeus. Look down in verse 3. It says, Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the count of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Yes, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted that redemption. He wanted a hero. He felt that desperation. But who finds Zacchaeus? It's Jesus. It's Jesus who, as it says in verse 5, came to that place and looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus thought, maybe I can see Jesus, and maybe it can help me if I could just see him and understand who it was. But the text says that even though Zacchaeus thought that he was coming to see Jesus, this text really shows us that Jesus was coming to see him. That Jesus was on this mission to come and to find it. And we see this in the fact that he knew his name. He knew Zacchaeus' name. It wasn't just this random guy that he was looking at. It's like, hey, what are you doing up in a tree? But he knew his name 
because he was looking for him. And whether that was through God's spirit having revealed to Jesus that that he was coming and needed to find this man to bring him redemption or whether it was because Zacchaeus was such an infamous and evil person that Jesus knew about him, we don't know. But we do know this because Luke shows us that Jesus was looking for him. That Jesus was there to rescue him. And that's the, the beauty of this story that Jesus was looking for this man who was a traitor. That Jesus was looking for this man that was shunned. That Jesus was looking for this man that everyone else was looking to avoid. And Luke tells us that Jesus looked at him. Think about the beauty of that. The power of looking at this man who other people would turn their eyes away from when they would see him. Jesus looked at him. And this is something that you see in the Gospels, how often Jesus, before he would heal someone, before he would pray for them, before he would move towards them, he would look at them. And that looking is always a sense of Jesus coming and seeing who they really are and then moving towards them. And that's a part of the beauty of of this story. He understands who Zacchaeus is, as one who is not what he should be. He sees that, but he then moves towards him. You know that Jesus sees everything about you. He sees all of your sins. He sees all of your failures. He sees the doubts in your heart. He sees the cynicism towards his goodness. He sees the coldness in your love. He sees it. But what does he do? He moves towards you. Because he looks with an eye of love and redemption. I don't come to find the healthy. They don't need a physician. I come to find the sick. I don't come to find those who have already been found. I come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus sees you in your desperation, and he doesn't turn away, but he moves towards you. And this is what he does in Zacchaeus' life. He moves towards him. He doesn't just see him. He doesn't just say, Zacchaeus, what are you doing up in that tree? But what does he say? He says, hurry down, for I must come into your house today. Hurry down. He doesn't want Zacchaeus to stay up there in his shame and desperation. He wants him to get down there quickly so that he can get into his life. And he doesn't just want to get into his life. He wants to get into his house. He wants to be with him, to dwell with him, and to give him the honor that he longed for. At this moment, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. He's about to go into Jerusalem, and the people are going to say, yeah, this is the guy that we want to be our king. He's at the height of his popularity, and everyone in the city of power says, I'd really love to have this popular teacher come to my house. To have the rabbi come into your house would be the, the key thing in that season to say that I was chosen above all else to have this very popular teacher come and eat with me and of all the people in Jericho who long to have that honor who does he pick Zacchaeus 
He wants him to get down from that tree in his shame so that he can get into his life and give him honor, the honor and glory of his presence. This is the nature of Jesus. And Luke wants us to see that. He wants us to understand that. He wants us to understand the heart of the Savior so that we too would be like Zacchaeus and not stay up in our trees wondering if someone sees us, wondering if someone can save us, but get down from our trees and get Jesus into our life. This is what Luke wants us to see. This is why he ends the story the way that he does in verse 10, that he is the son of the man who came to seek and to save the lost. This is the Jesus that I hope you see too. That he has come into this world to seek you in all of your sin, in all of your shame, in all of your desperation. To seek you, knowing all the bad and loving you out of all of his goodness. But Jesus says, come down out of that tree. Why does he need him to come out of that tree? It's because Jesus had to go up it. Jesus had to go up it. You know, Jesus' name has meaning too. Just as Zacchaeus' name means one that is supposed to be pure or clean or just, Jesus' main name means he saves. He saves. And he came to save Zacchaeus, to get him out of that tree and to get into his life. But in order for him to take Zacchaeus out of that tree and get into his life, in order for him to take the Zacchaeus who was anything but just and to make him just, to take Zacchaeus who was anything but pure and to make him pure, to make him to be one who really was clean, Jesus had to go up that tree. Jesus had to go up that tree for Zacchaeus. You know, Paul helps us to understand this when he describes the nature of the cross in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians 3, Paul says, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. That is the curse that Zacchaeus deserved. He broke God's law and he deserved to have the curse. He deserved to have shame. He deserved to be rejected, not just by his society, but by God. Cursed is everyone who does not do everything in the book of the law. That's the curse that Zacchaeus deserved. And we all, like Zacchaeus, deserve that curse too. But Paul goes on to say this. But Christ redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, and hear this please, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. That's what happened on the cross. He climbed that tree to embrace the curse. He climbed that tree to embrace the shame. He climbed that tree to embrace all the judgment of God that you and I and Zacchaeus deserved, to take that curse and shame onto himself so that it wouldn't fall onto us, to take it onto himself 
so that we wouldn't know God's curse, but his blessing. That we wouldn't know his rejection, but his love. Jesus came to get Zacchaeus down that tree so that he could get up it. And this is the same opportunity that we all have. Are we going to stay up in our own trees in that place of desperation, wondering who can save us? Who can remove this curse that feels like it's indelibly stained on my life? Who can save us? Or will we climb down of our trees so that Jesus can come into our life? And this isn't just something that we do in in coming to faith initially. It's something that we do every day in our life. Every day we feel that sense of curse and sin and shame beginning to creep into our life. That sense of desperation when we see the gap between who we're supposed to be and who we are. And every time that that happens, what we need to do is the same thing. Stop looking at ourself and start looking at our Savior. Stop looking at ourselves and start looking at the one who saves, the one whose name is he saves, the one who comes to seek and to save the lost. Because it's only when we see the heart of our Savior that our hearts really change, which is what we see happen with Zacchaeus. When he came to understand the immensity of the grace of Jesus, what happens in his life? Does Jesus pull him aside and say, Zacchaeus, you've stolen from a lot of people, you've done a lot of bad things. Before you really can be loved by me, before you really can be accepted by me, you've got to change. No, Jesus never tells him to do anything. But because Zacchaeus sees his heart clearly, sees Jesus' heart deeply, his heart is deeply changed. So that he goes on out of repentance to seek to restore justice, to give away not just a part of his money, but all that he needs to, to go above and beyond in being generous. When the joy of Jesus fills your heart, so many other things that you thought were going to be joy that you grasped in your hand, you let go of. Grace walked in the door of Zacchaeus' heart and that selfishness ran out the back. As Jesus fills our heart, the other things that we think we're going to fill it fall out too. And this comes when we stop looking at ourselves and start looking at our Savior. This is the Jesus that Luke wants us to see. This is the Jesus that we need to see. The Jesus who is the hero of heroes. The Jesus who's the lover of souls. Jesus is the one who came to seek and to save the lost. Like you and like me. Let's pray. Our good Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to know Jesus. That you reveal him to us through your word. That you even give us your spirit to see him clearly. Help us to fix our eyes firmly on the founder and perfecter of our faith. We pray that for Jesus' sake.